Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Luke John Louise, uh, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. I know it's been a while, uh, but I'm glad to meet with you all. Uh, we are in for a treat, okay? And our guest is Adria Gross, all right? And she is the president and CEO of MedWise Insurance Advocacy and MedWise Billing. And she's also the co-author of Solved, Curing Your Medical Insurance Problems. And she is a medical and legal billing professional with over 20 years' experience. And she has also has a strong background in advocating for individuals and credentialing medical providers with insurance companies. She's gotten a lot of great results for a lot of people, helping them to save a lot of money. And she has uh, provided a proven ability to produce consistent results with many individuals. And she was recently awarded the WCBS Women's Achievement Award, the Pinnacle Leadership Orange Award, and the Insurance Professional of the Year from Insurance Professionals of Orange County. So it is an absolute pleasure to have her here. Uh, she's a very busy woman, so she was able to carve out some time in her packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So we are so blessed. I guess to uh, start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you're doing today? First of all, Luke, thank you so much for the introduction. And my background, when I think about it, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy how our lives mold around experience. So um, I was born in Port Jervis, New York. My dad was born there. And I lived there until I finished college. I am now, at the time when this happened, I was 11 and a half years old at Temple Bethel in Port Jervis, New York, at Hebrew School, preparing for, or I should say studying for my upcoming bat mitzvah, which was going to happen at the age of 13. We had a map of Israel, and we had to write down the cities. And all of a sudden, this thing comes over me, and I'm feeling miserable. I get very nauseous. I... um just didn't feel well at all. And the rabbi, who was the teacher, finally allowed me to go down the hall. He thought I was trying to get out of the exam. So, <laughs> yeah, friend walked me down the hall. I sat down in a chair and went into a coma. Oh, my God. Yeah, 11 and a half years old. So one of the publications about me was in the Reader's Digest. They were looking for people who survived coma, which, of course, happened, otherwise I wouldn't be here to talk with you, right. uh, I survived the coma at the age of 11 and a half, and when I woke up, now, this is this is the crazy thing, uh, here I am in a synagogue, and my father comes to pick me up, the only hospital in Port Jervis at the time, which is now Bon Secure, was St. Francis, so about 10 hours later, after going into the coma, you know, my dad realized... Wow driving me home. I couldn't answer. I couldn't speak. And then he says, okay, I better take her to the hospital. I could walk, but I couldn't talk. And as I'm coming out of the seizure, I look straight ahead and I see this cross on the wall thinking I'm in heaven. To the right was the rabbi, to the left was my parents. I felt like Dorothy, the Wizard of Oz, coming out of her dreams. <laughs> but on that day, it was in the month of October, I had the I had the encephalitis. They determined that about ten days later, what was going on. But I wound up living with epilepsy for almost twenty five years of my life. I used wow. to have eighteen seizures a day. At one point, I was I'm sorry, eighteen seizures a month. And at one point, I was on thirty two pills a day. But the sad thing was, it was never controlled. The longest period I ever went without a seizure was three months. And it was a very, very difficult life. I went to college. They didn't tell me in advance, well, you can't be a teacher, even though from the age of 10 I wanted to be a teacher. They wouldn't right. 
by me because I walked out of the classroom where I was student teaching, and they pulled me in to the uh, to the president's office and said to me, well, why don't you leave and reapply in two years? And I said, hey, wait a minute. Before I came here, I told you I had seizures, and you said, no problem. You accepted me, and here I walked out of the classroom in in Massachusetts as I was teaching, and now you're telling me to leave and reapply? I said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. I, I requested that they allow me to take graduate courses in counseling because this is what I want to do for so many years. And I'm now in my senior year when this happens. Mm-hmm. So instead of graduating that June of May, I graduated that August. And when I graduated, you know, getting extra credits for counseling, you know, because I had the master's degree there, and now I had enough credits. I didn't know what to do with myself, and I went back to Port Jervis um, for about seven months, and then I moved to New York City and wound up working in the garment industry. I did have a bachelor's degree, but they wouldn't allow me to teach even if I wanted to. Wow. Yeah. So finally, you know, things were getting really rough with these seizures. I mean, there were times that I would fall down in the subway tracks in New York. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like, you know, like I would find myself in New York City with my arms around a pole while I'm having a seizure. And the seizures always changed by medication. Um, But what happened was, is here I was healthy at the age of 11 and a half. I lived for almost 25 years, 25 years with epilepsy. And now I have brain surgery. I have left temporal lobectomy. And Mm -hmm. after that, my entire life turned around. And I didn't wow. know what I was do for a living. I didn't want to go back to the garment industry. So I wound up coming through the back door of a major insurance company in New York City. And after two weeks of employment, they taught me how to deny medical claims. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So I spent two years there. And then I went to another insurance company where I spent 10 years. And, again, I started out there in claims, and within two weeks, it taught me how to deny. Uh, I was in claims and underwriting there, but I have to tell you, I learned so much about the industry in those 12 years. I took that with me. I I took off a little bit of time to um, adopt children from Vietnam. I have a son and daughter uh, Mm -hmm. who are, you know, my daughter's going to be 21 soon, and just tell you how long it's been going on, and my son is 23. But what happened was after I adopted them, when my daughter was four years old, I approached one of my doctors and said, hey, I'm thinking about learning. Here I was denying and paying claims, but now I want to see how they're submitted. And I said to him, I'll work for nothing. But he hired me. He allowed me to come into the office at night. He says, I want to pay you. And after working for him for a couple of years, I then opened up a medical billing business, Mm. um, which was about 16 or 17 years ago, and 10 and a half years ago, I opened up an advocacy business, Medwise Insurance Advocacy, and I have to tell you, it, it's crazy what I learned over the years working for the insurance companies, owning a medical billing business, and now helping people when their claims are either denied, out of network, overcharged, they can't get preauthorization. And one of the things happening right now is a long-term care policy. People have had these policies for maybe even 20 years or more, and they don't have the money to pay it out. So I'm fighting for them. So I, um, I fight a lot. I'm very well known. Thank you, Lord. At the executive offices of the insurance companies, I would mm-hmm. say almost every single one of them. Um, and I, am, I really feel very blessed to do what I do now. But when I look back, I mean, here I was healthy. I became sick. Got healthy again. I'm no longer taking any medication. I have mm. been blessed many times over. Mm. And now I'm on the other side where I'm helping these people because I learned a lot by working for the two insurance companies. I learned how I learned how policies are written and how to get them to pay for the claims. If mm-hmm. if they're really within the means of what the policy covers and does not cover. Wow, that's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your story and these, these intimate details of your life. And, you know, it's, you know, Joe Rogan, who's 
the king of podcasting. He often says you have to be the star of your own movie. Like, you know, your life's a film and you have to be the star. And you clearly are the star. Your life took some twists and turns. And, it, you know, it started off kind of sad. You talked about how when you were young, I think 10 or 11, you, you had a coma, which I, that's amazing. You know, that's you know crazy that a child would go through that kind of ordeal. Then you spent time in a coma. And then you thought you had you had passed away, uh, and you know, that is, you know, I, I thought I had it rough when I was young. That uh, what I went through is nothing compared to what you had to go through, and this is this happened when you were studying for your bar or bat mitzvah, right? When you were, right? Uh-huh. You know, and uh, so wow, and but that gave you a first uh, hand look into the you know in the inner workings of the hospital, the medical world, so to speak. Uh, but initially, you wanted to be a teacher, right? But obviously, that didn't pan out, of course. But then you became an advocate, right? And 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 in many ways, you are a teacher. I would say, right? You're teaching people, you know, what you've learned as an insider, right? You you worked on the other side. You were on the dark, you know, as they say in Star Wars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then, uh, obviously. Uh, but it helped you to learn how to how things functioned and worked in that world. So when you got out of it, you were able to teach others, you know, how to not have their claims denied, how to make sure that you know they're protected and that you know financially and that they're not you know fleeced by insurance companies and whatnot. So I think you do amazing work, and that is incredible. I think you were about to say something, and I I may have cut you off. I apologize, but. Don't worry about. I mean, I thank you for your for your compliments. I just have to tell you, I am I I am blessed that I learned so much. I I wrote the book, so it, the book is like I think it's thirteen ninety five on Amazon, and you can buy it. It's solved S O L V E D explanation point curing C U R I N G your medical insurance problems. Uh, it was supposed to be like a big business card, but Ralph Nader liked it so much he wanted international edition, which has also been published. Um, but I have to tell you, uh, you know, that book gives you a, an idea and you might be able to get information from that to help you to do, you know, when you have an issue like this, to do it on your own. But I'm at a point right now, you know, I'm so blessed that I have this experience. I'm at a point right now where I lecture before attorneys, CPAs, and financial planners because when you think about it, the major reason for bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills. And when it comes to people who work with others with finances, again, the attorneys, CPAs, and financial planners, they need to be educated on what to tell their clients when this happens. I've been published uh, three times in the CPA Journal, which is a national magazine, um, I've been published four times in Consumer Reports. Um, I was just published recently for the second time through Associated Press, uh, which made it for the fourth time through my. I've been published four times now in uh, the Washington Post. Um, I mean, I feel very blessed to educate so many people out there, uh, and that's why I wrote the book, and that's why I do all this lecture. So, uh, and if you ever know anybody who's looking for a lecturer or you know people in this position. Right. Yeah, please. I mean, it's just, this is, again, this is the major reason for bankruptcy in the U.S. Wow. And, you know, it goes back to the point I made earlier that in many ways you are that teacher, of course. Obviously uh, not the traditional or conventional teacher that you thought you would be, but, you know, as a lecturer you are teaching folks something very important. And it's, you know, and the information you provide, you know, in the book must be a value for someone like Ralph Nader to come on board and <laughs> uh, right. try to suggest that you do an, you know, to do an international edition. That is amazing. And, yeah. you know, you're so right that medical bills, uh, you know, they're so expensive, so high. And I can only imagine for people who don't have insurance or people who sometimes do have insurance, and, you know, having to cover these bills, and, and obviously I can see why it's the number one reason for bankruptcy. I've had my own personal issues, 
with medical bills and whatnot, and uh, I know how tough it is. Uh, you know, treating things like cancer is so expensive. I think that's like half a million dollars if you have leukemia or whatnot. And, you know, how can a person pay this out of pocket? You know, they have to have insurance. They have to have reliable insurance. But, all you know, insurance companies, obviously, they're in it to make money. That's their primary focus, not so much to provide care, but to maximize profit. And that kind of obviously gets in the way, right, conflicts with uh, providing the care. Because each time they provide care, they sort of lose money. It's sort of like a casino. The house has to win every, you know, every night, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so, you know, I'm also impressed by the success that you've had. You mentioned Consumer Report, um, the AP that you've been published several times and whatnot. Um, you know, my hat is off to you. That's wonderful. That's excellent. And uh, obviously, you've been doing this for quite some time now, and you've seen a lot of changes, you know, particularly, you know, with Obamacare and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people would would say that that's here to stay, right? <laughs> um, but still, there's so many people that are, are kind of who fall through the cracks. They either are, don't have insurance, even though there's Obamacare, or, they, or they're underinsured. Um, and then, obviously, as you already know, that we, you know, we all got hit with that sucker punch. We got blindsided by COVID-19, this huge pandemic. Uh, I'm curious, uh, can you talk to us about the current state of health insurance and, and issues people are experiencing, and what challenges, if any, has the pandemic posed? Well, one of the major things, I mean, they're, they're going to make more changes in 2022 um, involving health insurance. Like, I had a case recently uh, where this woman worked for the federal government, and um, her father was really sick, and she um, had gone to the doctor. She had an emergency. She uh, was cooking, and she cut mm. her finger. Oh. <laughs> so she goes to the hospital, and the fact that she had a federal position, there has been, New York State passed the law in 2015 that um, if it was an emergency, they couldn't, they could only charge a reasonable customary charges. But the fact that she worked for the federal government, that law affected her where they could bill whatever they wanted. So they billed her $20,000, about $20,000, wow. and she paid out 1000 the doctor was paid out another 4000 So he got about $5,000. And when you look at the reasonable customary charges, it was paid in full. But they still wanted an additional $13,000 from her. We sent it to the state. We spoke to the state. She also started with the state before she contacted me. The fact that she worked for the federal government, they went ahead and balanced billed her, which they shouldn't be doing in New York State. Now, the law that is going to become effective this January 2022 is indicating that they cannot any longer bill across the United States, according to the federal government, for the, the balanced billing. Now... I have to be honest with you. I've spoken to colleagues of mine who've even been in this industry longer than, than I have. And by the way, there's only, I would say, 50 to 100 of us who are really skilled at this work throughout the United States. And I also spoke to one of the major publishing, one of the major newspaper publishers uh, about this. And they feel that even when this law becomes effective in 2022, that it, it, they're still going to go ahead and they're still going to demand more money. Now, there's supposedly going to be fines if they do this, but who knows what's really going to happen, you know? There, there are things that were accepted, laws have changed over time, and they never really followed up with all the rules. So it's going to be very interesting what happens after January 2022. And then the other thing is the challenges with the pandemic. You know, my business decreased, believe it or not, and now it's starting to go back up again because think about it. 
the hospitals are have most of the people who've been in the hospitals for the last year and a half have been COVID patients, and those hospitals are paid by the federal government for each patient who goes in the hospital. And I, I've heard of cases like I've been interviewed by um, uh, different um, TV stations about. Um, whether or not I know anybody out there that got a bill for uh, hospitalization or uh, medical services involving COVID. What happened was there were some people, but not too many, because the government had a set amount that they were paying out per hospital. I learned this from one of the hospitals I recently dealt with, where there's, I'm not going to mention the amount, but it was a pretty high amount that each hospital was paid whether the person was there for an hour or whether they were there for a month. And there was so much money given out that some of the hospitals have decided to give money back to the government. You have other hospitals out there who really want as much money as they can get their hands on, and they're not too kind about it, but there are other hospitals that have been even given money back to the government. So my business slowed down for that reason because my cases that came to me were mostly those who had emergencies, like an appendectomy or this woman who cut her finger. You know, um, those cases had to be taken care of, where if you had elective surgery, they could wait. People did not go in the hospital for that. So it changed It changed my business, you know, how, how things were before. But I am, I'm thinking that maybe by the end of this year, some more cases will be coming. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, thank you for that answer. So you're saying that things slowed down with the pandemic, but things are uh, somewhat coming back. Now, uh, you had mentioned the story uh, about the woman who worked for the federal government and how because of that she was being fleeced, and, uh, and, and that's outrageous, really. You know, someone who's working for our government being treated that way in the state of New York, and, you know, but you were able to help this woman. Now, my understanding, you said there's going to be a new law being passed soon. Right. Uh, that will help to sort of correct this, redress this issue. Uh, right. And so no one else ho- hopefully goes through this kind of thing just because they work for the federal government. I was totally out of, oblivious to this or unaware uh, that that was happening. Uh, but I, I do realize there's a lot of abuses, obviously, uh, when it comes to the, the hospitals and the insurance companies. And I'm hoping more legislation does get passed to fix this issue. And obviously, there are people like you to to help others. And you know, I truly think you're doing God's work. You know, okay. uh, yeah, it, that, it, it's incredible. I just want to say that woman who had you know cut her excuse me had cut her finger. I was able to get a reduction on that thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars he still owed, but I just sat back and thought to myself, "My God! I mean, this law was passed, you know, in 2015, the New York uh, New York Surprise Bill law, and and I would say half the states have followed suit, but still, the fact that she worked for the federal government, they were still giving her a hassle." And, you know, even over the years, I mean, I've had other cases after that bill was passed in 2015 where they don't care and they're going to bill whatever they want. Because, you know, listen, when you get a bill in the mail and you think, oh, my God, I owe this, and what if I don't pay it, and I have to go into collections, and what's going to happen with my credit? You know, people just say, okay, here's the money. You know, or, or, or can I pay you in, 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 in you know, in, uh, you know uh, monthly payments, you know, and over what time period? But... You know, the fact that even after that bill was passed in 2015, there were providers out there still demanding. Like, I had a case for $135,000 just being billed by the doctor when he had to fix someone else's finger. I thought that was a disgrace. Wow. Yeah. It's it's, it's amazing. Um, You know, it's interesting because I've always known of, these healthcare quote-unquote horror stories and i've read a lot of you know i've seen documentaries and and whatnot um but it never ceases to amaze me when i hear these stories and you know even now when we think things are quote-unquote better and Mm -hmm. i'm sure they have they are better but still there's a long way to go 
And, you know, and thank God, you know, obviously, for people like you. You, okay. you must be sort of like a, a guardian angel, you know, <laughs> uh, for these folks. And, you know, it, it's just it's, it's interesting um, that when obviously you're going through a calamity like a cut finger or maybe cancer or, or whatever or any other kind of ailment, you have to deal with the stress of that, right? You know, that's stressful enough. But then on top of that, you have to deal with the anguish that comes from, you know, the the hospital, the insurance companies trying to trying to fleece you right. and whatnot. It's amazing. And I think we're probably the only developed country in the world, or we're probably one of the few that that really has this kind of spotty, you know, uh, system with so many holes in it, so to speak. And, uh, you know, hopefully changes are made uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, particularly with the pandemic, I think more and more people are beginning to, to see the need for covering everyone. Um, you know, obviously the vaccine, uh, you know, are, are free of charge, right? right. And I think uh, more and more people realize that health care for all of us helps protect everyone, you know, and uh, as a society, uh, particularly with a contagious, infectious disease like COVID-19. Right. So I'm, I, I'm, 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 op- I'm an optimist. And so I'm, I guess that brings me to my next question. You know, where do you see things going in the future? You know, and where do you see yourself in that future uh, when it comes to these issues? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know if we're ever really going to go into socialized medicine. Um, you know, when Ralph Nader wanted that book, he really wanted to push it up in Canada because they were going to go from socialized medicine to the same thing we have here in the United States. And there was an upcoming election, and he didn't want that to happen. So he really wanted that book up in Canada so people would see what we were going through here in the United States. Now, the issue is this. Let's say you live in Canada, or let's say you live in England. Uh, any 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 country out there that does socialized medicine. The issue is this. I, I, I you know I'm going to tell you a story. Something happened with a very very wealthy man who contacted me from Canada. He calls me up and says, "Hey, Adria, I don't want to wait two years for this procedure that I want to have done in the United States. Up here in Canada, they're going to make me wait two years." I am concerned about what my condition is going to be like if I have to wait two years. And he says to me, I have two very young daughters who I want to be healthy for them. I want to spend time with them. I don't want to have to wait two years, and God knows what kind of condition I'll be in then. I remember him calling me up and saying, can you help me? Uh, I want to come into New York City for the surgery. They're going to charge me $200,000 for the procedure. Can you help me? And I said to him, listen, I really do think I can help you. Uh, I think I can get it lowered, but you have to give me some time. Because he wanted it, he wanted to be able to, for me to be able to get it lowered within the next two weeks when he was going for the surgery. (laughs) Wow. And I said to him, I can't guarantee you that in two weeks. I said, you might have to give me a couple months. You know, it's hard work. And there's a lot of people who I need to speak to at the hospital to see what I can do to help you. I said to him, I really do believe I can get it lower, but I can't get it done within two weeks. And I think what wound up happening, I mean, he was very lucky that he was a very successful businessman. And so he wound up paying the $200,000 to get it done in the U.S. But here, I mean, look, if we go to socialized medicine, this is what we might be up against. Hmm. Right. And it's interesting. Obviously, every um, system has its you know pros and cons. And socialized medicine is probably not likely to happen in the United States anytime soon, in my opinion. We're probably stuck with the system we do have for the foreseeable future. We just have to kind of make that better. And my understanding is some countries do have a privatized system like we do, but they 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 cover everyone or they find a way to cover everyone it's a lot cheaper so that may be the the model for us right? right and so 
And, and, and again, thank you for sharing your story. It's interesting um, when people seek your assistance, they want results right away, but it does take time. <laughs> I, I can imagine everyone wants it now, but it doesn't, you know, uh, it, it doesn't happen now. Sometimes you have to be patient, and, uh, uh, and that goes for a lot of things in life. So, um, again, thank you for sharing your thoughts about where you see things going. Um, now, I'm curious. What what would you say to someone who feels they uh, that they don't think what you do uh, is necessary, or in the sense that they don't have to use your services? Maybe they could just figure this out on their own. Um, what would you say to an individual like that? Is, is it you know if if anyone can just do it on their own? Well, I recommend two things. There have been I literally have over three pages of publications that have been in newspapers and magazines, and that doesn't even include, you know, all of the interviews that I've had. Um, so what I recommend is, you know, read my articles, you know, Google me, read, read about, you know, what I have educated people on over the years. And I also recommend that they purchase my book. Again, it's only thirteen ninety five on Amazon, Solves Curing Your Medical Insurance Problems. And look, it's not perfect. I mean, you know, no book is. And it was really only a guide to try and help people. Uh, And again, that was my my big business card. But um, that's what I recommend to people. You know, I think that, you know, articles, my book, you know, will help them to get an idea about how to do it on their own. Okay, great. And obviously you're someone who has a lot of knowledge, particularly that insider knowledge used to work on the other side, right? And you know this industry like the back of your hand. Right. So um, that's the kind of expertise someone's dialing in uh, or will receive when they work with you. Uh, I'm curious. Now, obviously, uh, there are other firms out there that do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious uh, what – competitive advantage, and I, I know you've gone over this to some extent about mm-hmm. what you have to offer, but in comparison to these other firms and, and advocacy groups, what, what competitive advantage do you have and how do you stand out? Well, I've been in the industry now for 32 years. That was right after the brain surgery that I wound up working for one of the major insurance companies in the United States. And I learned a lot from them. Like I said, you know, I I worked for that company for two years. I worked for another company for 10 years. You know, here I was denying the claims, and then I opened up the medical billing business. So I know what goes on on both ends. Mm -hmm. And most people who are doing the work that I'm doing do not have that background. You know, and I'm also one, I mean, there. I think that I'm one of the very few who lectures all over the United States and who also wrote a book. I think there might be only, you know, maybe two or three other people out there who might have written a book as I did, um, you know, who do this for a living. So that really, you know, that's how I stand out in comparison to others. Wonderful. So you've been at it for over 30 years, you mentioned, and you're one of the few that lectures about this issue, and you're also an author, and you've been on both sides of the right. equation when it comes to this uh, um, issue. So that kind of gives you that unique advantage uh, perspective when it comes to being an, an advocate and helping folks out. So I'm curious. Now, you've mentioned a lot of moving uh, and entertaining stories from your life and your career um, I'm curious, are there any other stories that you'd, you'd like to mention to us? Well, I'll tell you one of the funniest ones that I've always wanted to tell people. This is hysterical. This gentleman calls me up and says, I'm having problems with my insurance company because they're not paying for my medication, which was Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to him, uh, I usually meet people in their homes. I said, but I'm a little concerned about this case. So let me call my friend who's an attorney in your area and let's let's meet and let's see what we can figure out what's going on, right? <laughs> so I have 
And listen, I had never had seen a denial on Viagra because I never even saw a bill for Viagra. Oh, wow. So I got to tell you this story. Oh, I met him. He was over the age of 65, and he was on Medicare. And by the way, if you do not apply for Medicare when you turn 65 and you decide to do it, let's say, you know, a few years later, you're, you're penalized for it. And your premium is higher or they will either the premium is higher or they charge you more. They will mm-hmm. not refund you the same amount of money. So I go to this attorney's office, he meets me there, and and I find out that he never had a prescription plan. He never got a sixty five and he applied for it when he was in the seventies, right? <laughs> and he wound up paying out a premium of over three hundred dollars. So we called the insurance company, you know, this prescription plan, and they said, we never got your premium. So I said, hold on, and I did not know this, that Medicare will not cover for Viagra. (laughs) So even if they got his premium, they wouldn't have paid for it. But what I wound up saying to him is, look, for the money that you're paying me to come here and meet with you in the time that we've spent together, right, I said to him, I want you to go back to the company that you pay your premium to and ask for that money from them that you paid out because they're claiming they didn't even ever receive it. You want that money back, and that money that you get back will help pay for my services for today. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah, I've, I've learned so much from you. <laughs> well, thank you, but I thought that that... I, I'll tell you that story alone. I I have another book that I'm you know I'm, I'm writing, <laughs> and and uh, at some point and I'm not in that book, but in another future book because I plan on I plan on publishing three more books, and that story about the Viagra has to be in there. <laughs> yeah, I could I could I couldn't imagine that you'd leave it out, and you know, <laughs> It, it was funny and entertaining and educational because I didn't know about the Medicare policy of 65. So now I know when I turn 65. Yeah, you better apply that. for it, and you, you have to start looking into it three months in advance. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three months. Okay, before my 65th birthday, three, uh, 90 days before, I have to okay. get on this. And Medicare does not cover Viagra. Even right. if you have paid the premium. Oh, okay. So you gotta okay. figure out if I if I need to use Viagra I'm gonna have to figure out figure out how I'm gonna get that if I if I am in need of it. Just gonna jot this down. Yeah. And uh Okay, well thank you so much for sharing that story. And I'm um, I'm curious now, you know, uh, you've obviously mm-hmm. dropped a lot of great wisdom mm-hmm. and and talked a lot about you know what what you've done for others, which is amazing. I'm now it's interesting because I met you. Uh, I wouldn't say by chance, but um, I was I w- I had another guest on the show who was a copywriter, and she was the one who introduced me to you. And incredibly thankful for that. And then we spoke, or I think we had a Zoom session, which went well. And you introduced me to a gentleman named. Uh, Douglas Cooper, who I had on the show, and his story was amazing. So, you know, I always tell people the more you network, the luckier you get. And uh, everyone wants to perhaps get to a point where they, you know, if they're selling a service, that uh, if they can just rely solely or mostly on referrals, and, and that'd be great, and networking helps with that. And we sort of met through this kind of networking sort of uh, magic I'm curious, what is the best way for one to go about networking and and, and building uh, their relationships? Well, you know, look, you've got a lot of associations out there, and uh, and they have chambers of commerce. So when I started my business, i got to be honest with you, I couldn't – I really could not lecture. Um, and uh, I, did, I did receive some training – you know, on uh, speaking. Um, but I also started going to Chamber of Commerces. So what I tell people is whatever your trade is, you have to see what organizations are out there who either do the same trade that you do or 
who are the people who need you? So, um, let's say you're in construction. You know, it would, I really think it would be helpful if you joined a chamber of commerce. But then you also have to think to yourself, well, maybe I want to be part of a, a real estate, you know, association because they're the people who you'll be dealing with in the future. So you really need to focus on, you know, what do I do for a living and who are the people out there who are going to need my services? And then think about joining their associations. I would say Chamber of Commerce and, you know, related trade associations. That's excellent advice. And, you know, so many people have actually told me something similar, join the Chamber of Commerce. I think it's a it's a service. I think to become a member, you have to sort of pay it, but I'm sure it's worth it. And as they say, your your network is tied to your network, and so many important people are in the in the chamber of commerce. And you mentioned joining the associations, dealing with whatever you're involved with, right? If you're a real estate agent, you can join a realtors association, and then you can also join related, right, uh, associations. Uh, they may have people that could be potential customers or clients, or they can uh, lead you to potential customers or clients. I think that's excellent advice, and thank you so much for sharing it. And obviously, I'd be remiss. You got it. Um, you know, obviously, there's other groups like D&I, which are amazing and whatnot. So joining associations, I think, is very key to expanding uh, one's network. Now, we've been talking a lot about, obviously, this you know certain social ills, society, this idea of, you know, people not having insurance or people um, having insurance, but it's not covering, uh, you know, the cost, the way we we think insurance should, and then claims being denied. But there's also um, other things that sort of, uh, I guess, AL society, if I'm using that word correctly, things like sexism and discrimination. I'm curious, have you um, ever experienced sexism on your journey? I hate to say it, yes. And it happens um, to a past employer. Where once the day one that I was hired, I was physically touched by my male boss. Oh. Yep. And I have to tell you, I reported him, uh, and the company was, really sexist at the time. I mean, we're going back. This is before I opened up my business. Mm. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, you really have to be careful. Things are different now. I think that um, if you could prove of what that person did to you, um, you would have a heck of a case, you know, through an attorney. But um, I did experience that way. And and even today, like, I hate to say this, but one of the chambers of commerce that I belonged to in the past, I was a member for many, many years. And the gentleman who ran it, who, who ran the organization, mm-hmm. he was like that. He, he really, you know, only hangs out with the boys. And, and I hate to say it still goes on in certain places today. Mm. Wow. And, you know, it, and again, thank you for sharing this story. And that is shocking that that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you know things are better now, but we still have a long way to go. You oh know, yeah. You know things were really tough back then because if you ever watched the TV show uh, Mad Men, right? It talked about, and it was based on it was a fictional show, but based on reality about how women in the workplace at that time uh, were treated so horribly. And so, you know, uh, apparently that was very common for women to be touched inappropriately. And But you had the courage to stand up for yourself and to complain or to file a report. Hopefully this guy, you know, I, I think you had mentioned he he was reprimanded or something happened to him. Uh, and uh, well, I, I hope happened. so. Believe it or not, he was, he was pushed out after I left the company. But okay. uh, I, I, I thought it was horrendous. I mean, what he did... And the fact that they were letting him get away with it, and 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 it was just—I mean—the the, the consequences were unbelievable. But after you know, after I left the company, they then pushed him out. I'm sure. I'm sure he was doing the same thing to other people. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that he was still working there, 
Mm-hmm. And while you were there, you still had to sort of see him all the time. And he doesn't mm-hmm. leave until after you leave. Um, I guess better late than never, but still, you know, it, so he just received initially a slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, that's outrageous. Right. But, but obviously things have, you know, gotten better. You know, we, no matter what high position a man has now, if they're caught doing this, uh, they suffer, you know, the consequences, the repercussions. Uh, we're seeing this happen more and more, particularly in the current day with, you know, the governor of New York State having to step down. Um, and so, and it, and I think things like that uh, are an example to other men that look, you know, if a governor could lose his job, you could lose your job too. You know, this right. is something that should be taken very seriously. And you know, so it, men, you know, and obviously I don't want to beat up on all men, but obviously many men out there have to learn to behave and conduct themselves well and treat everyone, men right. and women, with respect. So again, thank you so much for sharing uh, this, this, you know, this story and and how you and I like how you stood up for yourself and did something about it, even though you know nothing kind of came out or very little came out of it until, you know, after you had left, he he was finally pushed out. But, but yeah. you voiced your concern and may have played a role in him finally being pushed out of the company. Um, I'm curious now, what advice? would you give to someone, you know, who wants to do what you do is listening to you and says, you know, I'm interested in doing this kind of work. What tips would you give that individual? You really need to, you know, understand. I mean, if you're you're able to read policies and you really understand what that policy says, and if you really know, I'm sorry for saying really so many times, but you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to be able to understand the policy, what's covered, what's not covered, and how to react with different situations. It's not easy. People have asked me, you know, to, to try and train them. I mean, I, I have worked with some people, and um, but you really need to get this under your belt. And understand and understand this industry inside and out before you take a responsibility to handle cases like this. I know people who have opened businesses and now being sued because they don't have the education or background for this. Mm. Wow. And I think that's amazing advice. And you know, people have to do their research. Right. Uh, they have to do their homework. And obviously, seeking mentors can help. You know, maybe people can reach out to you, and and you might be willing to take on a, a protege, so to speak, and, uh, and 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 help others to learn the the ins and outs of, of of advocacy and how to do it right, so they don't get sued. Right, of course. Um, I'm curious. What um, looking at the other side of the coin here, what advice would you give to someone who's looking for a firm or individual to work with on medical bill advocacy? They can go to you, which I believe, which is an excellent decision, of course. But let's say you're busy, you're on vacation, or you have your hands full full with uh, helping out other folks. How should someone go about seeking help? I look at their credentials. You know, I've had people contact me and ask me for referrals, and I've done it. So I think that, you know, if you really study someone and you think you want to work with them, you know, ask for referrals because um, that's really going to give you a clue. And I wouldn't just take one or two. I would take at least three to really find out about the work that these people have done, you know, the successes that they've had, Um, you know, I would do research on them. You know, I, again, I mean, a lot of stuff can be found on Google. And um, when you go there, you can hopefully see if there's been anything negative about that person. I do that very often before I even will work with some of the people out there. Mm, right. I got like, let's yeah. say they are, if there's something fishy when I'm talking to them. You know, I don't want to be in a bad position. I've had I've had people come to me who might have been sued, and they want me to help them. And you know, they some people have done some pretty bad things, <laughs> and I don't want to get right. involved in those situations. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, so you, okay. have to, you have to really look at history about this advocate. You know, how many years they've been doing it? Have they been successful? You know, go to the, contact their referrals. Amazing. And so thank you so much for the advice. So you mentioned before how people, let's say you're busy, they could either go to you or someone like you and get referrals, right? And you'd be happy to provide referrals. Right. And obviously you want to check the person out, you know, see if they're legit. You mentioned Google. Uh, that might be my favorite website. Uh, <laughs> for someone who's a nerd like me, I, I love to use Google. Um, Google uh, essentially, you know, you can plug the person's name in, see what pops up, look at their reviews, look at their history, what successes they've had and whatnot. And um, so I actually, I wasn't aware of that, that you can, you can Google uh, advocates that way and, 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 and look at reviews. So the, would there be reviews like Google reviews or you just look at articles and see what pops up or? They see what people have written about them. And then the other thing I would ask for is, look, these might be your buddies out there. Who knows? You know, but um, I would I would ask them for referrals of people who you can contact. I mean, I've done that with companies that are trying to sell me products. And I mm-hmm. say to them, well, look, can, you know, can I, can I speak to some of your clients? And then all of a sudden, it's, there's quiet, you know, it's silent. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. So, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great advice to if you can speak with uh, clients. And if right. you just hear crickets and silence, that, that's a bad, that's a red flag. So <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, actually, I've, I've learned quite a lot from you, um, from this, your story and the life lessons you've shared, particularly about perseverance. You know, you've come a long way from someone who, as a youngster, you went into a coma, and then you had epilepsy, and then you, you mentioned you, you had to deal with all these seizures and and uh, several within a short period of time, and you had to take all these pills. But, you know, you persevered, right? Right. And even when you you couldn't become a traditional teacher, you became a teacher in another, you know, level or uh, different way of teaching. And I, and I think that's amazing. Uh, I'm curious, um, in addition to the life lessons you've already shared with us, what other life lessons have you learned yourself or from others along the way? You know, when I was sick, people didn't want to be with me. It was very hard. Um, wow. And, you know, you just have to, you have to be strong. You have to believe in yourself. You have to think positive. You know, you have these bad experiences, but the thing is, think positive and keep on moving forward. What can you do to help yourself and also help others? I mean, I really do believe that life is not about us as an individual. Life is about us and others. But we always have to think to ourselves, and I have lived my life this way, what can you do to help that next person? You know, and that also will bring out the positiveness, and it, and it will always help people. You know, I always think about that myself. What can I do to help this next person? Even when I had all those seizures, you have to remember one thing. There's always people out there who have it worse than us. You know, and we have to think about what we can do to help them. And I think that that is really what brought me to the point where I am now, not to give up, to keep on pushing, to keep on going forward, and to think positive. I think that's more important than anything else in our lives. Wow. Thank you so much for that advice. And oh, you're you are You got it. <laughs> you're definitely a profile in perseverance and grit. And it's sad how when you were sick, no one wanted to be around you. And... You know, that's very unfortunate. But you found a way, even though during that dark time, to, to think positive and to think about helping others. And this idea of paying it forward, I'm, I'm all about. And you also talked about how there are people that have it worse than us. 
And that's one way of kind of seeing the silver lining and staying positive, even if you're going through a tough spot or a tough time in your life. And I think, uh, you know, that's a, a great way of framing things. You know, they say people who are very successful are, are very good at, you know, framing things in a positive way mm-hmm. and seeing themselves as victors and not victims mm-hmm. by, you know, always looking at the bright side of of life, even though that might be hard, but they still find a way to do it. And so, you know, again, I want to thank you so much uh, for sharing your story and, and sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, I'm curious now, what uh, you, I, I obviously you've written a book yourself, right? But I'm, I'm curious what books or authors or, what book recommendations would you make for folks? All right. So I told you about my books. And this next right. book that I have coming out is going to be called Apparently Different. Apparently Different is about me and almost 25 other people who had a really, really tough life. You know, after having the brain surgery, about within about Four months after having the brain surgery, I was no longer getting I was no longer getting seizures. I had nothing stopping me. My medication was being lowered. I was able to think better. You know, when I had a seizure, it would take me sometimes four hours to recuperate or longer. So after the brain surgery, nothing was stopping me, and my brain improved tremendously. So the next book is going to be called Apparently Different. And that book, again, is about me and almost 25 other people who have different conditions. The book is being written because of respect. I highly recommend that you take a look at my book when it comes out. I, I would hopefully be in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Different. But it's all about hope and not being closed to other people who have a condition, to be willing to be friends with them, to not be scared of them. You know, the reason why people didn't want to be my friend before I, when I had the seizures is they were scared of me. They were frightened. You know, and they didn't know how to react when someone had a seizure. So I, that, that's really what I recommend. You know, um, taking a look at the book when it comes out, um, I just, my heart goes out because I know how difficult it was for me and I know how difficult it is for other people who have a condition and how they must feel when there are people who will steer away from them. So I, uh, it's, all, it's all about respect. And that's the way I, I would like to see changes in people's lives is respect for others. Wow. Well, this book that's coming out, you know, seems amazing. I know it will be amazing. Definitely going to check it out. And it's going to definitely, and it's going to feature stories of people who've gone through tough things, tough um, times. And, you know, uh, I'm definitely going to look into this. You know, I'm I'm definitely inspired by your story. And I'm, I'm always inspired by people that have it tough, but still persevere. You know, particularly um, stories of people who have, you know, who are born with missing limbs or or go through accidents and become paralyzed and whatnot, and they still persevere. Particularly those type of stories really inspire me. I can only imagine, you know, if I went through that, you know, you know, how would I how would I handle it? Right. And you know, so those kind of stories really inspire me. So people who go through certain uh, who are born with certain health issues or disabilities or become, you know, disabled through accidents or whatnot. And, you know, then, then obviously not just those, but all, all kinds of stories of people overcoming <laughs> and accomplishing. And you talked about hope. You talked about, you mentioned the word respect, which is so important. And um, you also mentioned how people didn't want to be around you because they were scared. Right, mm-hmm. they didn't know how to deal with someone who's epileptic, who has seizures, and you know I, I can understand why people might be nervous. You know, how do you help someone who's going through a seizure? 
you know, and so, you know, that's so important, that education is so critical and whatnot. Right. And, um, and, and again, I loved how you persevered. You've come a long way from, you know, someone who was holding onto a pole in the subway, right, because you, you had to do that to stabilize yourself. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you know, again, thank you so much for sharing your story and these, these intimate details mm-hmm. about your life. Um, you know, I know it's not easy, and I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm curious now, when are you, I know you've written a book and you're about to write a second book, but are you ever going to start your own podcast? I, I think you'd be great. If people have recommended it, and I, I'm thinking about it, I seriously have, you know, um, I might come back to you for advice. All right. Well, Sure, I have some. I would definitely have some advice to give you. I think you'd be a great podcaster. I believe you would be excellent, and so um, definitely something to check out uh, or look into. Of course, obviously, a podcast takes some time, um, but I know that you would do, you would be marvelous at it. So um, I, you know, something to consider. And uh, I just wanted to again. Uh, thank you for coming on the show as a guest. I, I think uh, that I and the audience and everyone has, has found this discussion to be, you know, be uh, beyond enlightening, beyond inspiring, um, and, and educational. And can you go ahead and, and describe all the ways people can reach out and connect with you? Thank you. Um, first, I. Same website that I recommend. There are two websites I would go to. One is a d r i a adria gross dot com. Adria dot com, and another one is medical insurance advocacy dot com. Again, that's medical insurance advocacy dot com. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. I'm also um, on Facebook, and you can always call me at 845-978-9493, 845-978-9493. And even if you go to my website, you can go into Contact Us, and it will take you. You can just send me an email that way. So, Lou, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, it's, um, it's an honor. Well, it was an honor to have you uh, on the show as a guest. It, it truly was. And just so you know, uh, the contact information you provided will be uh, listed in the show notes, so people will be able to see it and read it there. Okay. Right. And you got it. And um, definitely, you know, if you ever want to come back, you know, I'd love to have you, particularly, if, you know, when the new book comes out or, or whenever. Um, so, uh, you know, the door is open. The door is always open for you. Again, I wanted to, to thank you so much, and I want to, to thank the audience for listening. Do you want to leave us with any uh, last word or final send-off? The one thing I always tell people, and I might have said it earlier, you know, you have to fight for your rights. You, you, you should never, ever give up. I've seen that happen where people say to me, I can't take it anymore. You know, um, it's you have to fight. You've got to. You've got to really get that strong backbone and move yourself forward. And like I said earlier, well, think positive. Don't think negative. Because if you think positive, I guarantee you, you're going to get through this a lot easier. And you're not going to. And there's steps to everything. Don't think, oh my God, and get so overwhelmed about it. Just think about the steps that you need to take to do what you have to get done. And it's going to be much easier to deal with it. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for being a guest. I want to thank the audience for listening. Uh, I'm going to see you guys uh, in the next episode. Everyone have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you so much. Hey guys, before you go, just real quick. um, If you can just do me a favor if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, 
and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, That would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.